And the Oscar goes to, by a nose, Nicole Kidman. Hello, Kevin. Hi. How's it going? Oh, it's going great. I'm uh, happy to be here. And by here, I mean across the country from you. Across the country, um, brought to you through the magic of the internet and yes. uh, really the loving arms of the Kid Manifesto. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Um, it's really hot in my apartment. I turned off all my air so that I could not have background noise. And um, I'm I'm sweating to uh, be here, but I couldn't be more excited. Oh my gosh, the devotion to the craft is, is truly inspiring. You know... Um, Sometimes we move mountains for for our fans. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know if we should talk about this really quickly because I have no idea when this is going to air. But today was a big Nicole news day. It sure was. Um, it sure was. A, we got a boy erased trailer, and more specifically, we got a boy erased wig. Which like yes. Oh, go for it if you were to say something. <laughs> well, no, I was just gonna say my my favorite category of movie is like previous Oscar winner wears a wig to win another Oscar. She's gunning. I mean, I think she thought Lion was that. I think a lot of us thought Lion was that, because that is just truly a wing first and a performance second. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely think that Lion was uh, perhaps her first, well, maybe second, maybe Cold Mountain was like her first Oscar wig. uh, But then Lion was definitely the second. And I feel like this may be the one that pushes it over the edge, because the role is on top of the wig is so Oscar baity that I feel... uh, like this might this might be her moment. I um started following the real mother on Twitter today and I am uh I'm not gonna say I'm trying to get her to do this podcast, but I'm I'm trying. <laughs> and uh <laughs> she already responded and said that she was overwhelmed with the amount of attention today, but she promised she would get back to me. So keep that keep that in oh your prayers, gosh. everyone. Um, but there's just no way that I can ask her to rate like the wig of like her own hair. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, how does like the Nicole wig weigh up to like the actual hair? It's, um, it's pretty damn close. I would say it's maybe a smidge more like glamorous. I would say like hers is a little bit more put together than the reality, but it is, um, they're both sides to behold. I'll say that. Nice. I love that. Uh, that aside, I couldn't get, <laughs> wait to get that out of my system. Um, would you mind introducing yourself to uh, our, our loving fans? Oh, sure. Um, so, hi, loving fans. Uh, I'm Kevin. I am a proud member of Middle-Aged Actress Twitter. Um, I pretty much, anytime a woman over 40 breathes on screen, I'm probably holding back tears uh and i'm so i'm real happy to be here talking about a movie that came out the year nicole turned 40 oh love that love an anniversary movie um (laughs) you can you give me an example it doesn't have to be a nicole movie of just like the last on-screen um woman of a certain age performance that moved you to tears that moved me to tears. Well, I always say I never cry. I just think about it. Um, but the, <laughs> uh, but the last woman of a certain age that made me think about crying. Uh, of course, now I can't think of one. You're making me out to be a liar. Um, oh, okay. This is, I don't know if this made me cry, but I recently, I mean, this was a month ago, but I saw the book club in theaters and I mean, that was, like, my wet dream was just, like, those four actresses talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. I 
I, I truly feel like that movie was made specifically for me. Yeah, uh, this is. Oh, I'm gonna be able. I'm gonna butcher this because I'm not gonna be able to give credit to someone. Um, but uh, this sucks. I'm gonna have to cut all this out. There was a tweet about someone's experience, and I think they're a member of Gay Twitter. And I'm really sorry that I can't remember who it was. Um, but they <laughs> went and saw a book club, and they said it was like a midday showing, and it was like mainly women of a certain age. And at the end, one of the women like turned up and addressed the audience and said, "Like, thank you all so much for sharing this with me this afternoon." And friend of the podcast oh Adler's Pamela and I talk about it like to this day it's just like the purest sweetest like book club culture is so pure wait that it that's so true because when I saw it I sat in front of a book club and they applaud every time a book was mentioned they applauded and they were like "Woo, we love that one like it was it was very <laughs> pure <laughs> uh I s- still haven't seen it and I'm ashamed about that um but there's like one like discount theater in my area that's still showing it and I'm like yeah <laughs> I'll give them my movie pass five and a yeah, half or whatever it is. The the thing to watch out for with that movie, there's like two things I'll like tell you to look for going in is the fact that like the like Diane Keaton as always like costumed herself and the other three were costumed from like Chico's. And then Jane Fonda is wearing perhaps the worst wig I've ever seen in a film. But it- I <laughs> Does that make it's it like a, a, a Kid Manifesto 1 or a Kid Manifesto 5? Uh, like, simultaneously both. I don't know. Like, anytime there's a really bad wig in a movie, I always make the choice as a viewer that, like, the character is wearing a wig, not the actress. And it always, like, flips the script for me. Um, that's probably reasonable for those characters. Yeah, I think so. My goal in life is to, like, become a woman of a certain age and just be like, fuck it. I'm not going to do my hair. I'm just going to put it on. <laughs> uh, you can probably achieve that goal. Um, I think that the movie that we're going to talk about, which we'll get to in a second, is not the type of movie we just described. So I Not at all. <laughs> in, I think you chose this one, right? I feel like you volunteered for this movie. And I guess I'm I, curious as to why. <laughs> I did volunteer for this movie because you had sent me a list of like four or five and I truthfully don't even remember what the other ones were but um as you may be able to tell from everything that's come out of my mouth so far I'm very gay and the last date that I went on with a girl was to see the invasion plot twist so it's like this poor unsuspecting 16 year old is like what should we see and I'm like oh my god this Nicole Kidman vehicle looks fabulous like (laughs) Um, not to get too personal, but when you went to that movie in your head, were you like, yeah, I'm gay or that just was like a thing that you did? Does that even make sense? No, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I was like definitely closeted and knew that I was. Um, but I, I mean, it was still like a date with a girl, (laughs) like, um, but it, yeah, it, it was, I don't like this movie didn't make me gay or anything. Um, I don't think that this movie could. Um, but yeah, this this film, this movie was uh, the last date that I went on with a girl. Oh my gosh! I while you were talking, I just took a trip in the time machine back in our DMs, and October fifth, you said, "Okay, I feel obligated to say the invasion because drum roll, the last date I went on with a girl was to see that movie." And I just responded with "Holy" in all caps, <laughs> like a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I repressed that, but um, 
I'm glad you're here for it. Uh, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm very here for it. (laughs) Before we talk about your uh, prize movie here, do you have any other favorite Nicole performances? Or um, can you remember like the first time you either saw a Nicole movie or you were like aware of her as an entity? So my initial awareness of Nicole definitely came from Batman Forever. Um, Right? Forever she was the one she was in? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Batman Forever. Um, Because I, before I was a closeted teenager watching The Invasion, I was like a real butch six-year-old who like loved Batman. Um, which like in, in retrospect was probably like a lot of like George Clooney's rubber nipples. Um, but, uh, so that was my initial awareness of her. And then I feel like being like a theater kid, she probably like resurfaced into my, uh, awareness through Moulin Rouge. And that was like right around the time when she was like cranking out three movies a year. So I had like a plethora (laughs) of Nicole, um, in like Bewitched um, and like, I feel like she just came out with like a bunch right around that time. She did, um, yeah. And she then like all you, those and then you get like a birthday girl thrown in there. And it's like, she had like a yeah. fatty Arbuckle like studio contract to like make movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like going into my 20s, then I kind of like worked my way backwards from like Nicole when I was in high school and got into like the practical magics and um, like the cold mountain era that I was like definitely not old enough to see when it came out. And like, even though that was like right around the same time as this, but that was so not like on my radar at the time. Um, But yeah, so I I feel like she's been a a constant uh, uh, force and presence in my movie viewing experience. Uh, love that. That's why um, you're here. <laughs> uh, if you hadn't done this movie, is there another one that like is a go-to in your mind for what you would have done? Um, well, so my like, and this is like everybody's go-to probably, but probably mine for a very different reason, is if I could have had my pick, I probably would have picked The Hours just because I can probably talk about Meryl Streep as endlessly as you can talk about Nicole Kidman, like she is my Nicole Kidman. Um, even And even though they don't have screen time together, um, I would have loved to take some deep cuts about that movie. Um, or I probably weirdly would have chosen Bewitched because I feel like that was my true, like, I feel like that was the my first time, first time seeing her in a movie and like, connecting her to her previous works if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah the reason i ask about like people's first nicole movie or like first time is because there's usually that like oh i watched batman as a kid she was just like a character in it and there's like the first time i saw like capital n nicole like as a person that i recognized Um, yeah bewitched was like surprisingly hotly contested there were people that like have an earnest love for that movie and there are people that just like wanted to shit on it for two hours and both are acceptable options yeah, for sure. And I mean, that movie just has so much goodness in it. Like, you have Shirley MacLaine, right? Yeah. I'm not, am I like, yeah, you have like Shirley MacLaine, Kristen Chenoweth. Oh, and like, I'm, I'm like looking at her IMDb now and like, obviously like nine, I was like obsessed with, but still like trying to date girls. 
Um, <laughs> I saw nine uh, with like my most of my family on like Christmas Day when it opened, and then yeah, uh, we visited my mom who at the time was working as a nurse in a prison, and it was just like the weirdest day because <laughs> it was like also Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> it was like too many emotions for me in one day, and also everyone I was with hated it in nine, um, which again is probably the appropriate response, and I of course loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, should we? Should we get into the task at hand? Should we talk about your actual movie? Yes. Have we said what it is yet? I can't remember. Um, I, I don't know if we've actually said the title, but so... <laughs> I, I you don't can know go ahead. Not. I don't think we have. I think you should go ahead and announce it. Sure. So for anyone who's been trying to guess this whole time, like how late in life I was still closeted, we are talking about 2007's The Invasion. Which I had never seen before, and your enthusiasm really got me hyped for it, and um, I had fun. It's fun. I would like to preface this, because I, so I watched it, like, in the theaters in 2007, and then I, I feel like I might have watched it once in between, and then, like, not again until this past weekend. Um, and I feel as though... Uh, this movie, The Invasion, and The Stepford Wives could both be watered down to, like, Nicole Kidman acts robotic so that she can solve a mystery. I had a similar thought. Um, I did... Like, it feels like this, this is, like, the straight version of The Stepford Wives. It's exactly that, because I was thinking about it last night, um, which is when I rewatched it, and the only real difference is like Nicole's fakeness in the Stepford Wives is like very perky. And then the fakeness here is like to, as they say, not show emotion. Um, but they're virtually mm-hmm. the same thing besides that. Uh, yeah. And, and like you swap out Matthew Broderick for James Bond and it's. Which like huge upgrade. Matthew Broderick is my biggest thorn in my side in that movie. <laughs> I know. It, like of all of the like boring brunette men. Um, can we, while we're talking about James Bond, can we talk about the wig slash hair situation on Daniel Craig? We can. I, I don't think that's a wig. I think that's hair because I think it's hair too. And it's even more unfortunate than it is. Yeah. Because so as I was rewatching, I like did a little research about this movie and they filmed it like in 2005. And then the studio was like, this is awful and put, and they had to do rewrites on it. So maybe at so okay so maybe at some point he is wearing a wig, because he booked James Bond while they were filming initially. So then maybe he cut his hair and they had to put him back in like a Zac Efron wig. So maybe you're not wrong to call it a wig. I could see that happening. It's there are some scenes where it looks like very fake, and I'm trying to decide like I wonder what the reshoots would be because we should say this is like one of the I did no research for this after. But uh, I did learn that some of the rewrite scenes were written by the Wachowskis, and um, I like that. Yeah. I do think there is, like, the hint of a decent sci-fi story in here, but then I'm like, oh, no, it's just body snatchers. Like, it's just <laughs> it's just the source material. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's like body snatchers, but, like, but make it postmodern feminism. Like, for that, like, one monologue that has nothing to do with anything. Yeah, this movie wants to be some form of woke really badly in, like, the treatment of, and we'll get into it, like, the treatment of, like, some of her patients and also, like, the Celia Weston character, which I have a million things to say about. I, uh, 
I forgot that Celia Weston was in this movie. And she, to me, is like, especially at this age or this year, these years where she's in like this and failure to launch, or not failure to launch, how to lose a guy in 10 days. Like she just pops up as these like maternal characters in all of these random movies from the early 2000s. And I love it. It reminded me of, um, have you seen Ocean's 8 yet? Yes. So that scene where they hire like the the four like character <laughs> actresses of the stage and it, like one is Mary yes. Louise Wilson <laughs> yes. and one it's is Dana so Ivey. It's like, one of those could easily be Celia Weston. Yeah, I want to know like what the, like who those offers went out to. Like did they just send out 10 offers and hoped back for four? Like, Yeah, it was like Glenda Jackson one and then she was getting like Tony Buzz and they were like, well, can't get her. Or yeah, and Celia Weston was like, oh, my hip. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Annie Golden was just, like, uh, doing something off-Broadway. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk us through how the movie starts, the kind of, like, setup for what happens? Yes. So the movie starts um, kind of at the end of the movie. Like, we we get this opening sequence of... Nicole Kidman's character, whose name is... Oh, I want to say Claire, but that's not right. Oh, I think that might be right, actually. Carol. Carol. Carol, much like... Well, okay, we'll come back to Carol. Um, So we get this opening montage, this sequence of Carol um, kind of frantically ransacking a pharmacy. and then she kind of like blacks out and then we see a spaceship crash to earth. And then we see a man kind of investigating the spaceship. Uh, and then tell me if I'm, if I should be like stopping. At no, this point. is great. A spaceship definitely blows so, up. <laughs> yeah. A spaceship crashes through the title card, uh, lands in a field Um, There's a man investigating it, and then he goes home to his wife, who is an uncredited Malin Ackerman. Yes, as Autumn, no last name. As see, oh, is in the on her on the IMDb, it's like she doesn't even have a name. Like it literally is just Malin Ackerman, uncredited. Oh, maybe I did. I just rewrite history. Where am I getting that? Oh, I'm getting it from Wikipedia. As Autumn, in parentheses, uncredited. Yeah, hysterical. <laughs> she just really gave um, me a lot of vibes. Yeah. So uh so he goes home to his wife, Autumn, um, and she right off the bat is like, Your ex-wife has been calling. So there's a lot of exposition happening. Um and then uh we see they go to bed and we see this man um kind of like mucusing, like his skin is becoming mucus, and then we cut very quickly to Nicole Kidman, Carol waking with a start uh, because her kid is screaming in the next room. Um, Unrelated to anything else we've seen so far. (laughs) There are, I want to say at least two movies, but I can only think of one right now, but I know I've talked about this on the podcast where like the first thing we see Nicole do is like wake up with like either a jolt or like a scream. The most infamous one being the others. Yes. Um, Yeah. I feel like uh, every, not every, but I feel like uh, my boyfriend and I, we always talk about how when you watch a Reese Witherspoon movie, like you have to count the number of times she has like a gaspy aha moment. 
um, especially in her like rom-com peak. And I feel like Nicole Kidman's gaspy aha moment is like the wake with a start. Yes. Um, I think the other one is, what the hell is that movie where she has to relive the same day over and over again? Before I go to oh, sleep. Oh, while you were sleeping. Or what? Yeah. Before yeah. I go to sleep. While you were sleeping. Very different. <laughs> it's while you were sleeping. Um, I also wasn't going to bring this up because talking about your dreams is like the lamest thing that you can do. But um, I did have a dream last night after watching this movie that Reese Witherspoon and Nicole were um, like these clones in the invasion. And I had to keep lying to Reese Witherspoon to like, <laughs> pretend that I wasn't one of them. And it was in a mall. Oh my God. AKA best dream. Because where else would you write? Yeah, where else would you run into zombie versions of Nicole and Reese? Yeah, it could have been like a Monterey Mall or something. Yes. Um, yeah, so you were saying the Nicole has like a kid, and we also very quickly learned that she her ex is the like CDC guy who's currently um, turning into mucus. Yes. Um, so then... Uh, so she goes into her kid's room... Um, and then kind of like hushes him back to sleep. Mm-hmm. The next thing I wrote and was then, it's Halloween, bitch. <laughs> the next thing, well, okay, so it's Halloween, bitch. But then doesn't, is it Halloween before we meet her, uh, her patient? Uh, I think so, because I wrote Veronica Cartwright in all caps. After, oh, okay. A couple days okay. after. Okay, so the very next thing is that it's Halloween, bitch. Um, and her son is dressed up, I want to say maybe as Spider-Man or uh, Superman. He was Superman because uh, she made a comment about his cape. Mm, okay, so he's dressed up as Superman. She drops him off at school. Um, and then James Bond picks her up or something. Yeah, it's really or- weird because it... They're, like, in a car together. It took me, like, in almost halfway into the movie for me to realize that, like, the dynamic between them was long-term best friend. That's, like, right. not explicitly stated in a way that was obvious to me until he said, like, we can't do this. We're good friends. And I was like, oh, I thought you were, like, both interested or coworkers or, like, wanted, like exes. Yeah. I It, it is confusing because it they're... I feel like maybe there was um, indication that they're kind of this like this like there's this tension and there's this on again off again thing that they're both like no we can't it's not right and she's probably like I have a child and I can't do this to him. Um, it's just one of those things where like a male female. I feel like that all that all got cut. <laughs> yeah, I just I, sometimes like the most exciting thing is like a male female friendship that is truly just that. And like, I'm thinking of like a broadcast news type situation. And like, they just do mm-hmm. nothing to play it up. So there's no payoff when Nicole is like, mm, sorry, we can't. <laughs> it's just like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but do you do you want to talk about her patient? Because I have many things to say about this. I do too. So I'd like to start by saying that the most 2006 thing about this movie is her hair. Um, is the, uh, her patient's hair. Mm-hmm. Um, so her patient um, is Veronica Cartwright, who uh, was in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yes. Also star but, of Alien, in my opinion. Star of Alien. Yes. 
but yeah, so Veronica Cartwright, who's like a big name in all of these kind of like cult horror classics, these like sci-fi horror classics, um, is in this movie in what is a very like glorified cameo. Um, like it, she feels like the kind of person who should just be a cameo, like, like she feels like she should be one of the later people on the train who's like, if you show emotion, they'll know that you're not one of them. But like instead, she gets like an arc. <laughs> she gets a full arc. We she's like, we get a couple of expository scenes with her in the beginning, but we also get a ton of her in like the last third to the point where like she moves, she like turns the plot ninety degrees. Yeah, um, and she's turns also, herself fully around at one point. Yes, she's also wearing the most. Countess Luann statement necklace I've ever seen, wherein like the centerpiece on it looks like just like the head of a shovel. Like it's oh, like, a, no. like a gardening spade. It's huge. I'm glad that you brought this up. Do you know what that is? No. It's like a sleeve for her glasses. Oh my God. <laughs> like it's, it's literally like a glasses case on a necklace. And Iconic. I, because it, which is iconic and it makes me feel like it's hers like because no i don't know what costume designer was going to be like i'm gonna give you this necklace and put prop glasses in it even though we never see you with glasses on so i feel like that was that was just her (laughs) i wonder if she showed up and she was like my character is a writer my character is this (laughs) yes she pulled a diane keaton in book club and was like i'll be dressing myself thank you which i love i Um, love that i love that she tells nicole that her husband she knows her husband's different because he killed their dog without remorse. And both of them are just kind of like, well, if he does it again, let me know. <laughs> yeah. She's like, my husband is not my husband. And Nicole's like, oh, well, what do you mean by that? And she's like, well, he committed a homicide. Like, she, yeah. She says, if it happens again, call my service. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not even call me, call my service. Um, we then, from that point on, as soon as they say the word dog once, we get like a thousand shots of dogs. Dogs in scenes, dogs going yes. to attack other people, dogs being silenced, dogs walking by with focus from the camera. Uh, mm-hmm. That and like shots of drinks. There are a lot of those. Oh, because Veronica Cartwright told us that the other strange thing her husband was doing was like offering her drinks. Like he's trying to hydrate her and he killed the dog. Oh, yes, because she says, like, I've been coming here, you know, for how many years? And every time I've had tea, insert the um, Ina Garten, here's the tea. Well, here's the tea. Yes. I think um, at that point is when the kids, like, go out for Halloween. Is that right? Right. Yes, so it's still Halloween, um, and now they're trick-or-treating, which I love the idea of Nicole Kidman being a mom who, like, goes trick-or-treating with her kids. Not necessarily Nicole Kidman being, but Nicole Kidman playing, because I feel like she plays such, um, like, like, women with seven figures in their bank account that, like, the idea of her, like, doing something mundane, like, taking her kid trick-or-treating is, is so thrilling to me. Um, I bought her coffee table book, the like part of the Anatomy of an Actor series, and there is a whole mm-hmm. chapter devoted to how frequently she plays um, 
childless women, either people that have lost children or people that can't have children or things where that's a plot point, and they bring up like the act of like seeing her do like maternal things on screen, even though she's an actual mother, is still kind of like a revelation. Yeah, that's interesting. I never even. I would have never like made that connection, but that's really interesting is she really often does play like barren women. <laughs> yeah. And then what happens? Like a dog at one of the houses. Acts yeah. The so, kid. Yeah. So they're, um, they're trick or treating and they go up to this one house. Also weirdly, one of the neighbors like takes a picture of the kids and then we never see her again. Oh, yeah, I wrote that down. Was that ever a thing? Like, if you went trick-or-treating and a neighbor was like, I want to take pictures of all the kids? I mean, it wasn't, like, creepy. I just was like, oh, I've never considered that. I never came across that. But I, as I was watching this movie this weekend, like, knowing the plot, I was like, oh, maybe there's going to be a scene later where she's, like, not interested in the kids or something. But it it never happened. So I don't know what that was. Um, but so then they go to the next house, and there's a dog. Um, who's like barking at the kids and the the like man who lives at the house is like oh my dog's been acting weird all day like just go ahead to the next house and then the dog gets out and like chases after the kids but makes a beeline right for the one kid who like crushes the dog's jaw but doesn't kill him um and we're immediately drawn back to Veronica Cartwright's husband who killed the dog uh, and all of the dogs that came in between those two plot points. I love that it's literally the next scene and they're like, we have to show you visually to remind you that this is a thing that you just learned. Right. (laughs) We have to remind you that dogs do not like people who have whatever's happening going on. Um, I think, I think right after that is when the, ex-husband is giving his like dissertation and the only thing i wrote down for this scene besides the fact that they like vomit into the water cups to like poison everyone is that there is like a woman that i was convinced was barbara corcoran from shark tank in that audience oh my god the one that asked the question looked just like her you're right and i was like did she get i was like this filmed in new york probably actually it's supposed to be dc right yeah it's supposed to be dc um but yeah i was like that oh, wait that's barb but what happens in between those two things is that their kids are at home like separating their candy and nicole kidman's son finds like a piece of the like mucusy skin oh and right it's like ah mom this is moving and nicole kidman is like i'll take it to my boyfriend slash friend doctor yeah they all are very cavalier about that like even the kid who finds it is just like this is moving they're all very clinical um but like when she hands it to daniel craig and then later when she when he hands it to jeffrey wright uh yeah they're also Uh, matter of fact about it (laughs) yeah it's it's very strange well yeah so then there's like that like conference where her ex-husband is um like lying to all of the other medical professionals i guess um saying that he's trying to prevent this but the camera angles and the music tell us that he's actually trying to spread it (laughs) yes um as do the cater waiters vomiting into the (laughs) the like coffee canisters it's gross it reminded me of the part in drop dead gorgeous where they all eat the bad seafood in the hotel and they're all throwing (laughs) up yes 
Um, can we talk about how one of the things that this movie uses is like a trope to prove that the mother-son bond is real is that they just like list things. They, like they play categories. Like at one point, Nicole's like types of pickles, which like I could name two. I I think my list would end at like Miss Cracker. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Dr. Dill and Dill. <laughs> right. Um, but they, they list, be like, like Rugrats characters and Miss Cracker. Yeah. The kid lists like six. He says like, there was one that was like hot and sweets or something like that. And I was like, that's not a thing. Don't add yeah. me if it is. Uh, I, I have no clue. And later they list like types of nut, which I'm like, okay. And it reminds me of everyone playing that Nintendo switch game right now where like all the like health items are like nourishing nut. And like people keep making memes about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, as they're doing it, they're, like, driving through a tunnel, and then, like, a woman runs up to Nicole's window and says, like, they're coming, and then she runs away and then gets hit by a car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she gets hit by a car, and a very calm police officer is like, we'll call you if we need you. And then we're like, oh, okay, so it's infiltrating the police force. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Uh, yes it's in full journey of the police force um <laughs> i think <laughs> i think it's the next scene where oh i guess she drops the kid off and like the ex is kind of weird and she's like text me even though all he does for the rest of the movie is send her like video messages even though she has like the world's earliest blackberry yes but i thought in between is she goes to work and veronica cartwright's husband is there yes yes that is there so he's there and he's waiting in the waiting room and she calls veronica cartwright to be like hey your husband's here when are you getting here and she looks out her window and she sees veronica cartwright like make a u-turn in the crosswalk and she's like i'll stay with my sister keep him busy yeah yeah she like immediately hails a cab and it's just like no yeah. it's fine and then just hangs up yeah um uh so that happens. She drops the kid off at her ex-husband's house. Um, and then it's like, cause she's dropping him off. Cause she says like, I have a party tonight. And then she meets up with Daniel Craig to like go to Celia Weston's house. I think. Oh yeah. They go to like a, like a fancy dinner. Yeah. It's fancy. dinner. Um, there's like Russian people arguing with Czechoslovakian people about like which country is worse. Mm-hmm. I was just, the only note that I really took is, like, there is a lot of shot or shot happening here because of, like, all the exposition between, like, the old people that are at the table. And they do, the th- they do this thing where, like, they really leave it on Nicole even when other people are talking. And she just looks, like, so engaged in, like, this really shitty, boring dialogue. And I was just like, oh, this is why, like, she's the best actress. It's just, like, shit like this. It's not, like, her screaming and crying. It's just, like, this. Yes. Yeah, it's, like, a very mundane conversation happening um and then all of a sudden it's like as if somebody turns to her and is and like even as a viewer I could like feel myself kind of like glazing over at this conversation and then it's like someone turns to her and is like hey defend modern feminism and then she does and it's very charming and it's very um warm and and uh effective and then, like, the scene's over. <laughs> yeah, and then they pretty much just leave. And then on the way home, Daniel Craig tries to kiss Nicole. And that's when I was like, oh, they're supposed to be friends. All right. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Then, like, a guy comes to her house, like, two seconds after she's home and says he's doing, like, a nighttime census. And he's, like, obviously one of the titular uh, invaded people. And yes. I just feel like she's too smart to even remotely enter. Like, she does say, like, I'll tell you the answers through the door, but I was just like, you have some medical license. Right. Like you're a smart woman with at least three college degrees. Like, yeah. Like you, and you are like, oh yeah, sure. I'll come back. And, but then it's like, the weird thing is that like, she's like, yeah, I'll tell you the answers through the door. But like, we then learned that the door isn't even chained. So like, because she, she's like, oh, let me go get the the tea kettle off or whatever and she just like closes the door and then the guy opens it again so i'm like they do well they do show him they do show him banging the door open because i think it is change i don't mean to oh but then she rechains it during that scuffle maybe he just banged it open. yeah so it's not originally and then she latches it but then when he's trying to come in um he's like railing against it it Mm. truly doesn't matter uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, you like cut all of that because it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, so then he, but the important thing about that, well, I guess it's not really because we, we know this already, is that like when he, when she tries to shut the door on him, his instinct is to like open his mouth and I feel like he's about to vomit on her, which I guess if you like didn't catch this up until this point, is just like another point of them being like, look, that when when the people vomit on you, that's how they spread this. But I guess we got that already, so never mind. That's all right. This movie this movie spoon feeds us every detail anyway, so I don't think it would mind us doing it again. Yeah. Also, my favorite speaking of spoon feeding, my favorite like device in this movie is like Carol walking to work and just like noticing people getting less and less like animated on the street as the movie goes by. Yes, that brings me up to what I was going to say next, which is like all of this is basically um, fodder for her to like sleep at Daniel Craig's house because they live like across the street from each other. Uh huh. Um, and he makes her like burnt pancakes, which like fine. But then she gets to work, she sees all those things, and then she does like a spooky Google montage of like um, it culminates in her googling "my son is not my son," but you see like flashes in her head, and again, it's like exactly what you said. It's just like I noticed this one person walking uh, a different direction on the sidewalk, and I noticed this one dog that looked at me. <laughs> I'm going yeah. with my son, who might not be my son, right? And then also at this point, I think we're supposed to believe that Veronica Cartwright's husband has infected her secretary or her assistant. Yes. Um, because she comes in and she's like, hey, Dr. Kidman, I made you this tea. It's brand new. I think you'll like it. Um, and just as she's about to sip, Dr. Daniel Craig calls her and she goes to find out the test results of the mucus, the mucus skin. Yes, I would like to say that the um, secretary's name was Carly, and that's not really important other than to say it was a name that when I heard it, I was like, oh, there are, there's no one in movies named Carly. Please don't at me. That's true. That's true. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Um, I did want to point out that when Nicole is packing uh, her son Oliver's bag for whatever trip he's going on, it truly doesn't matter. To see the dad. To see the dad. She packs his PSP first um, before she mm-hmm. packs his medicine. And I was like, oh, priorities. Yeah. <laughs> um, And then at some point she gets spit on, right? Is that... 
in the dad's house. I can't remember. Well, so they go, so she goes to the hospital and Daniel Craig is like, I couldn't figure this out. So I gave it to Jeffrey Wright and Jeffrey Wright is like, listen, I got this, which, because what is Jeffrey Wright in movies for? If not to be like unintimidatingly the most intelligent person in the movie. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of like that. Yeah. And like angels in America, like his type is like approachable, intelligent person. Um, so they're talking about that and he's basically like, this is a virus. Uh, and then she, then they get a call to go to Celia Weston's house because either the Russian or the Czechoslovakian guy is acting weird. Uh, and then they get there and he's turning mucusy and Nicole Kidman is like, you know what? I have to go get my kid. So then she goes to the dad's house. Right. And then there's like a very Rosemary's baby scene where they're kind of like all waiting for her. And there's like people standing outside looking in the windows. Um, Yes. And one of those people is Autumn played by Malin Ackerman. Yes. (laughs) um, Who now that she has no emotions, like has a sensible slicked back ponytail instead of the kind of like loose cool girl curls that she had in the beginning it's um it's very like get out where you can tell that allison williams is bad because she put she has a ponytail all of a sudden yes yeah (laughs) um this is apropos of nothing but this is the point at which i wrote this note uh and i might cut this out because it might be anti-feminist but nicole has huge boobs in this movie like in a way where like the clothing is designed to remind me of that okay well i'm glad you're bringing this up because one of the notes that i wrote Um, And we can talk about this later um, because it's part of my note about her kind of inconsistent costuming. Um, But there are like several points in this movie where they're like, look, Nicole Kidman isn't wearing a bra. And I feel like that is because they're kind of spoon feeding us that she is this like feminist doctor, perhaps. Um, I wonder, I wonder if a man or a woman was, did the costumes for this movie. Mm, I can tell you. I'm going to, Look it up. We're probably we're both on IMDb right now. <laughs> That's fine. We got this all done. Lots of hair, lots of makeup. I forgot you. Oh, costume designed by Jacqueline West. So it was a woman. Perfect. So that's fierce. Um, but I so I because I also noticed that there's like a lot of emphasis placed on her breasts in the costuming of this, mm-hmm. and I and then when I thought about it after the fact, I was like, oh, I wonder if that's like. A piece of the puzzle i don't know we could be making too much out of this <laughs> i think it is i will say that she also did the costumes for the revenant for the social network for benjamin button and i'll give you one more uh the banger sisters iconic movie oh fierce <laughs> so she's kind of all over the place it's not like she just like has like a genre that she sticks to no she's all over just like this movie's all over um good for you jacqueline how about the so anyway yeah so just- so she's at the, the husband's house and she and she gets spit on. Mm-hmm. And she like tries to wipe it off and he very ominously says like, it's too late, Carol. Like, mm-hmm. So now the whole point of this movie becomes like Nicole can't fall asleep, which is why when we got that like immediate res scene at the beginning when she was like chugging Mountain Dew mm-hmm. and like Ritalin, um, now yeah. we know why. <laughs> right. Um, oh, that was the main thing that Jeffrey Wright told us was that REM sleep is what activated this virus they get to that so quickly it's like the riddles in batman forever where bruce wayne just like jumps steps one through 30 where daniel craig suddenly just like 
oh, it's encephalitis. Specifically, this kind of encephalitis. Yeah. yeah. It's, a very, it's a very quick jump. Sorry, not that it is encephalitis. That's what makes you immune, because we quickly learned that um, Veronica Cartwright, we see her, like, in a public scene, and mm-hmm. she says, like, I slept. And then, like, we know Nicole's son also had the same condition, um, so they assume him to be immune, so she's trying to find him. Not only to yes. like, be reunited, but also like in the hopes of uh, curing, curing this. Right. Um, well, I oh, and also like as we're learning all of this, um, we also learn that well, not learn, but we get this like scene where she gets on the subway, um, and like looks around, and everybody kind of like is doing the like shifty eyes, like are you like me or are you like them? Which is then when we get the information, I guess, that there are people out there like pretending to be okay um, or pretending to be infected. Um, And then we get like Veronica Cartwright saying, I slept. And then she's trying to find her son. We see the friend again and the friend is like, hosting some like vaccination thing but she's been infected and she's like a bitch now because nicole's like have you seen my son and she's like mm, no sorry like can't say i have but like in a monotone yeah yeah that's the most like stepford wivesy moment of this movie is when she's like i don't remember the friend's name but she's like hello susan and then she's like hello carol have you gotten your shot why yes susan i got them yesterday <laughs> like <laughs> it's it's very um it's 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 like almost too stylized for this movie (laughs) it's kind of like uh there's a scene later where like nicole is at dinner with um her ex and like his family in an attempt to get the Mm -hmm. son and uh james bond is calling her and she can't like answer in a way that's not coded so he's like i'll list neighborhoods and like you can tell me when i'm Uh there and at one point she's like why yes that is it Yeah, it's it's so funny. This is kind of a tangent, like unintentionally funny. But there's mm-hmm. an episode of I Survived slash My Favorite Murder where um basically like a woman was held kidnapped by a guy and he she convinced him to call the police and she basically was just on the phone with nine one one being like yeah and I'm with this guy and he's like really helpful he's like super nice like he's the nicest guy and like yep he's right here with me and like that was how they figured out that like they needed to go there and that's what I thought of yeah she was doing that yeah I feel like that's. I can't separate it if, if there's like news stories or if like it's other movies where like that happens where like people are lying on the phone, but it always just feels like such a like acting class, uh, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not an activity, but it, it, it just feels like a, a, an acting class assignment when like someone has to lie on the phone in a movie because it's like, why? Yes, I am fine thank you for calling me. Yeah, it's a very, like, like don't react <laughs> thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else is here? Uh, Nicole keeps finding um, guns places, which I think is really funny. She stumbles upon multiple guns in this movie. Stumbles upon multiple guns. Um, oh, this scene is c- pretty inconsequential, um, but it was weirdly, like, the scene I remembered from this. And so she's on, she was on a subway, and now she's on, like, a nicer train going to another state to get her kid. Um, And she like gets cornered by all of these like body snatched people, including like the Asian kid from the beginning. 
Yeah, uh, like and they're like Glenn or Jean. Glenn, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, "You have to sleep," and she's like, "Okay, but let me do it in the train bathroom." Um, and they do. And then there's the shot, and like I don't know why, but this was like the shot of this movie that I remembered from my like gay youth was like in the morning they like open up the the um, door to the train bathroom, and she's like over the shoulder like peeling mucus off of her skin which like is a we learn is like a fake out because she found mucus in like the trash can of the garbage or the like trash can of the bathroom but like for whatever reason the image of nicole kidman like over the shoulder like peeling mucus off of her was like my takeaway from this in 2007 uh it's memorable i think the moment where nicole hits herself like like in a very black swan way would be the thing I would remember. Yeah. 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 Um, also later in the movie, cause like at one point we go back to that pharmacy with the kid and like, she's again, taking all this, these drugs and has drank Mountain Dew, but she like makes an epinephrine shot and basically like teaches the son how to like recreate that scene in Pulp Fiction. Um, mm-hmm. and he eventually has to do it. Uh, and, like, she starts to get goopy. Um, and then she just, like, really quickly just, like, wipes it off again. <laughs> like, yeah. I like the idea that that mucus that's, like, body and personality changing could also just be, like, washed off with, like, a nice um, just, like, splash of water. Yeah. I, I laughed out loud when and at that point because, like, she, she like, wipes it off. Like, the, the, like, physical action is she wipes it off. But then, like, the, the CGI effect is that it, like, fades back into her skin. Mm-hmm. And they, like, don't match up at all. But, yeah, it's, like, funny to think that it's just, like, oh, okay, as long as the, like, globs of mucus don't connect with each other, you're fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I kind of glossed over it. But in between that, she has that dinner that we talked about a little. And then um, there's a moment where, like, her kid doesn't know if she's like an alien or not um and they do that yeah. stupid pickle test again like that's the the payoff for that plot device right um but i think that's when yeah so so she finds her kid and then like they're on the run um and then it's just like a lot of action and then they kind of quarantine themselves in this drugstore um and at one point, the kid asks Nicole, he's like, how long are we going to be in here? And she just goes, well, it can't be long. And I'm like, <laughs> and it, it, for I had to, like, ask myself if this was, like, a Gremlins situation where it was like, we just have to make it to morning. But it's, it's like, fully not. Like, they could be in there for weeks. <laughs> they show the clock in, like, a uh, where you only see the top third of the clock a lot, which, again, kind of buys into that like we have to make it to like midnight very like hocus pocus gremlin situation Mm -hmm. but there's it's just that she's gonna fall asleep um right but daniel craig shows up and is like everyone's happy and then you start to listen to him and he starts to sound like a zombie and then nicole has like a very like him and miss saigon moment where she's like i'll shoot you like don't touch my boy Uh uh-huh uh and with the gun that she stole off of somebody in like the stock room of this drugstore yeah and then she proceeds to shoot like seven of them it's like her third gun in the movie like it's like the third gun that she lifts off of of somebody Mm -hmm. um and she can't bring herself to shoot daniel craig fully so she just shoots him in the knee 
Uh, right. And, then she's and like runs. Fleeing in a car. The car's on fire. So she's like being. <laughs> it's like a very Grand Theft Auto 5 scenario yeah. where Jeffrey Wright is in a helicopter and is like, you're going to turn right. And you have like partial visibility. Right. And then she like gets in a helicopter. She like. It, she's like driving a car that's on fire up the like ramp of a parking garage. Yeah, she's driving a car she, indoors, essentially. Right in a in a building that's probably like the air is sixty percent gasoline, um, and then she gets in a helicopter, and then we flash forward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she gets in a helicopter, um, and there's just the way that the movie handles it is just a montage of like news stories where it's like things are getting better <laughs> and uh yeah i think one of them says something about like on the one year anniversary of and i'm like oh I, yeah, I guess it's been a year right but then we see jeffrey wright like walking up the steps of of a building um presumably some like a government building um and somebody's like would you say that we're completely fixed and then he has this very dramatic line reading of like well, for better or worse, we're acting human again or something like that. Yeah, we're back to being human again, for better or for worse. All right. Yeah. And then the title card comes up and it says Westworld. <laughs> um, and then what's the ending? The ending is we oh, see like, the family unit. The family unit. So she has adopted the Asian boy or at least taken custody of him. I did make a point to note that... Um, I wanted to see what her level of interaction with that child would be under assuming that they've lived together for maximum a year. And she does say, I love you. And I think maybe she kisses him on the forehead, but I might've made, I think she does. Cool. Um, and that my favorite thing about that scene though, is that they like cut to somebody sitting at the kitchen table with their face obscured by a newspaper as if we're supposed to be surprised that she has ended up with Daniel Craig. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Like as if there's any other man in this movie that could come out from behind that newspaper. But also the music, does he say something? Because the music gets kind of sinister as if like he's not cured or it's like partial. Like the music gets very dark. Oh, wait. Like, yeah, he doesn't he really does... say anything to like suggest it unless I completely had given up. No, he said, oh, no. Okay. This is, okay. I'm. In that, like, news story montage, they say that, like, nobody remembers what they did while, like, nobody remembers what happens while they were body snatched. Mm-hmm. So he says something that's just, like, that, like, implies that, like, he has no recollection of her, like, shooting him or something. That's what I took away from it. Like, he, that he doesn't remember that anything was ever... Like, I think he says something like, well, glad we all dodged that bullet, or something like that. Hmm. I'll, I'll tell you what he said. I have the Netflix pulled up. Let me tell you what he said. Oh, okay. So, James Bond is reading the newspaper, completely unaware of everything that transpired between him and Nicole Kidman while he was body snatched. And then he... Uh, James Bond is just kind of like, oh, wow, humans suck, huh? And then there's, like, a voiceover memory of, like, the Czechoslovakian guy being, like, humans never get any better. We just keep being awful to each other. And Nicole Kidman is just acting through it all. That's exhausting. Exhausting. I'm so sorry that you had to pull up the Netflix stream of that just to figure that out. It's okay. I'm happy to do it for the pod. (sighs) Uh, Final thoughts before we 
rate the darn thing. Final thoughts. Um, well, this will be a great segue into your rating of the wigs. But my biggest pet peeve with this movie is that Nicole Kidman's costuming is very inconsistent, I feel. Um, because I feel like Nicole Kidman is an actress whose performance is very um, intertwined with the, the physical appearance of the character. Would you agree with that? Uh, yes. As um, former guest Ben Empey has said, uh, Nicole Kidman has the best mise-en-scene since Marlon Brando. Uh, so I would yeah. totally agree with that. Yeah. And I don't mean that as like a read. Like I think that she she's just like the way that like Meryl Streep, like her performance is intertwined with the accent, like Nicole's is entwined, intertwined with the physical appearance. Um, and so like we get like three very different Nicole Kidmans in this movie or three very different Carols. We get this kind of like relaxed, like Nancy Myers mom who wears like white linen pajamas. And then we get this like cold hearted CEO bitch that like, is like this like fierce doctor and like everything's turtlenecks and pencil skirts. And then she literally, and this is like another segue into one of your questions, but she literally for the, the bulk of the like climax of the movie is in like Naomi Watts's costume from the ring. This kind of like granola mom who like may, who like may or may not have to climb down a well at some point. The gray like sweater dress is very Naomi in the ring. Yes. Yeah, so, but so anyway, okay, that's my final thought, but I'm happy to delve further into that yeah. as a response to your questions. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, so these are going to be one through five questions, five being the highest. Uh, you are in competition, for those who don't know at this point, for the Golden Compass Award. Uh, and as you mentioned, the first one that you'll be deciding on will be the wigs in the movie, uh, one through five. Okay, so I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to operate under the belief that Daniel Craig's hair is not a wig. So when I rate this wig, I'm only rating Nicole's. And as like, as a wig itself, it's like a three. But then like, they do some fun storytelling with this wig that I think bumps it up to like a four. Because when we first like meet this wig, it's a very like cut and dry, like professional white woman hairstyle. But then we see her like, kind of like curl it out for this party that she goes to. And then at the end um, in the kind of like one year later scene, it's kind of like a softer Bob, like it's all one wig, but it's, it, I, it, they try to tell us things with it. So I'm going to give it an extra point for storytelling. Uh, I love the concept of a wig story. Um, so I will happily accept that for how do you, how do you feel about the accents in the movie? I don't feel great about them. Okay. Um, because we have uh, Nicole Kidman and Daniel Craig both doing American accents and then we have Celia Weston doing a kind of generic like European accent um, yeah, her I don't think wild. I don't think any of those accents are particularly convincing um, and I I know that so I read somewhere, you've probably read this too, but someone told me or I read somewhere that Nicole like learned an American accent from watching like old movies. Mm-hmm. So her American accent is that kind of like 
golden age Hollywood, like mid-Atlantic neutral accent, which is just not very realistic. But then it's like, I don't know the solution to that other than her doing like a trash, like Baltimore accent because this movie (laughs) takes place in DC. Um, And then like Daniel Craig, I I guess is like fine. Like his is a little better than hers, but I'm going to give the accents overall, like a three. Oh, a three. Okay. I like, I'm at a two and a half, but I'm going to, I'm going to be kind and give it a three. That's fine. We round up here. Um, We have already invoked her name a couple of times, but next up is Mm -hmm. going to be the Naomi Watts scale. Uh, And mainly by that, what I mean is like, how involved is Naomi to this movie? Um, Does she watch it on Netflix? Did she audition for this part? Um, Do her and Nicole talk about it? Uh, That sort of thing. Could she have played Autumn, etc.? Yeah, I feel, I feel like this is a high. It's either a four or a five because I, I really, I really feel this movie feels like a Naomi Watts movie. But I think that so this was like a post King Kong. Um, so at this point, Naomi was like probably like, oh, I just did a big blockbuster. Now I'm gonna do some like art films. Now I'm gonna like be choosier. Um, but I don't know that necessarily like Naomi would have like, I would be interested to know, like, did this movie start with like, we're going to make this a vehicle for Nicole Kidman or did, or is there a world where like an offer went out to Naomi Watts? I think that world exists. I think this movie screams Naomi Watts. I, yeah. Like protective mom, like, you know, uh, pr- uh, professional woman kind of like m- in the middle ranks of her industry. Yeah, it's also I, in the I, like disaster-esque genre, which I feel like mm-hmm. kind of has a corner on when it comes to like, yeah. actress of a certain note. Lots of screaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm I, I, I th- riding at a four or five. I would ride at a four or five, and I think that the difference in that based on your scale is like, I don't know that Naomi Watts would have gone to see this movie. So I feel like that maybe makes it live at a four. Perfect. Uh, okay. So the next one is approachability, meaning if you saw Dr. Carol Bunnell at like, say you're at a Russian Czechoslovakian dinner function, how likely are you to strike up a conversation with her there? Sweet. Sorry. Okay. Before I answer that question, I want to rewind and go on a tangent is that because I said we'd come back to the name Carol. And while I was watching this movie, I also had the realization that like the other, like if Naomi Watts and Nicole Kidman are a Venn diagram, then like the other side of that Nicole Kidman Venn diagram could be Kate Blanchett. Mm-hmm. Cause Nicole kind of Which, straddles this line between like, I mean, Kate Blanchett is like high prestige at this point. Yeah. But I feel like, I feel like there's a lot of overlap between Nicole and those two women, but like very little overlap between Kate Blanchett and Naomi Watts. But anyway, um, uh, you ask me about approachability. Oh, approachability. I feel like is a tough one because we're, we're told that this woman is a psychiatrist of some sort. So by, <laughs> by trade, she should be very approachable but I don't know that I feel that way, but I'm told that she is like by the script. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it a, a neutral three is that like, I, if I had to speak to her, I'd probably be comfortable doing it, 
but I don't know that I would seek it out. Okay. Uh, next up is the Scientology scale. Um, essentially, a five on this would be this is a movie that um, completely rejects the concept of Scientology. It is a suppressive movie, and one would be this is basically Scientology propaganda. Sure. And the way I feel about this question is the same way I feel watching Elizabeth Moss in The Handmaid's Tale is it's like, I feel like a Scientologist could watch this movie and see like the parts of it that are supposed to be like bad and scary and be like, no, this world looks awesome. Like that's me watching that um, Bryce Dallas Howard episode of uh, Black Mirror where the guy I was uh, watching with was like, I hate technology. I'm gonna throw my phone out. And I was like, "Mm, I could do it. (laughs) Yeah, I feel so I feel like there's I feel like this is probably on your scale like I'm gonna say maybe a four because I feel like the like tra- the um uh, uh, uh I feel like the bad happenings of this movie would be like like is Scientology propaganda but Nicole Kidman's character for fighting against that is like a no-go I believe that. that. I, yeah, I think this movie could go either way. I think you can interpret the um, virus itself as like a metaphor for Scientology and then throw it like a low number. Or I think you could see the resistance to maybe like the media or things like that as um, in opposition to Scientology. So I will yeah. accept that four. Um, I'm going to give it a four because my score needs the help because everything else has been kind of low. <laughs> I think you're actually, you don't have anything lower than a three. I think you're doing okay. Oh, fierce. Uh, and then the last one, this might burn you, depending on how you interpret it. This is <laughs> overall level of iconicness as this film pertains to Nicole's career. Sure. Um, I'm going to give this a two um, because it's, I don't think, if I like asked anybody to name five or even 10 Nicole Kidman movies, this would not come up. But I think that if I said to somebody like, oh, do you want to watch The Invasion? Like, there's a chance that somebody might be like, oh, that's that Nicole Kidman movie, right? Mm-hmm. I think it gets at least, I think it gets a bonus point for being on Netflix because there are a surprisingly few number of Netflix movies with Nicole Kidman. Yeah, um, I agree. And- I, so I'm going to give it a two. Great. Uh, okay, that puts you on par with um, another kind of fantastical book adaptation, which is The Golden Compass. Uh, mm-hmm. you tied with Margot at the wedding personal fave of mine love that I'm surprised that's not higher uh, it puts you one above Nicole's highest grossing film Happy Feet <laughs> and then uh, I'll give you one more it puts you right behind Eyes Wide Shut Eyes, okay that's, I feel like thought? that fits <laughs> what's my wait what was my number score 20 out of 30 uh, out of 30 Okay, that feels fine. That's that's sixty six percent. Yeah, it's um, this test is turning that's out to D-minus. be surprisingly accurate. I'll be so excited to see like a ranked list of all of the of all of her films at like the end of your endeavor. I will eventually have to. I'm actually closing in on it, and um, that will be coming. I'm very excited to see that. <sighs> All right, I do have one last task for you, if that's okay. I'm ready. Lay it on me. Um, 
So what I've asked all the guests to do, and you might be expecting this, uh, is to do the talking about Big Little Lies for me. Um, the only trick is I'm having them do it in 60 seconds. So if you wouldn't mind, I will put 60 seconds on the clock. And uh, you will have that time to explain the plot of Big Little Lies, share anything that you think is important. Um, really, that minute is yours. Great. All right. Whenever you're ready, feel free to go. Okay, so Big Little Lies season one, as far as I'm concerned, is about um, a woman played by Laura Dern who is actively seeking vengeance for her kindergarten daughter. Um, that is like what half of season one is about. The other half of season one is about Nicole Kidman earning an Emmy Award for doing monologues in a therapy session. Um, and then at the end of that season, it turns out that like one dickwad guy who happens to be Nicole Kidman's husband uh, is the cause of like all of the bad things that have happened so far this season. Um, and basically this band, this uh, group of women all band together to kill him. Um, kind of by accident, but like a happy accident. And then season two, so far as I can tell, will just be about Meryl Streep and Nicole Kidman sharing some long overdue screen time while they play a like, Game Boy or something with her kids. Oh, I was so close. I had one more word. Oh, what was the one? I just had curiosity. Was it just finishing up? Kids. Kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, kids starring Chloe Sevigny. Um, that was good. Oh I think you were the first... I think to um, start to speculate about season two. So thank you. You also, not only did you not mention Shailene's name, you didn't even mention her presence as a character. So again, kudos to you. My, my whole thing about big little lies all and about, about the actress who plays uh, that character, whose name is Zoe is her name. Her name is Jane. Jane. My thing about Big Little Lies and about the actress who plays Jane in general is that every uh, movie that, um, uh, what's her, I can't even think of her, what's that actress's name? Shailene Woodley. Shailene Woodley. My thing about Big Little Lies and about Shailene Woodley is that every movie Shailene Woodley has ever been in would be better if it was Kristen Stewart. Yeah, Kristen Stewart is our generation's best actress, as I've gone on the record many times as saying. I will back you up on that. Before we go, Kevin, where can people find you on the internet? Oh my god, you can find me at um, the Kev B um, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, I'm funnier on Twitter, and my Instagram is mostly pictures of my dog, so like, choose your own adventure. Um, and other than that, you can just find me like in the hashtags that are about, you know, movies that are vehicles for 40-year-old actresses. As you can find most of my guests, uh, <laughs> you can find <laughs> this podcast uh, on Twitter also, at The K-Manifesto. Um, you should also subscribe and rate in, uh, like, an Apple podcast situation or a Google, a Google Play if you're feeling that. Um, perhaps a, uh, what's another podcast directory that we're in? Stitcher is one that we're on. Uh, or you can just, like, follow me to see... Um, dank nicole memes at mr sam herbst uh <laughs> Kevin, thank you so much for doing this oh my god thank you for inviting me this was literally my dream project so i'm very happy to be here <laughs> bye kevin <laughs> bye <laughs>